0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 87 of Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mercatani. I'm Andy Hamilton, coming to you from the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum in downtown Waterloo, Iowa. Joined, as always, on the line from St. Louis by David Mercatani. Welcome back, David.
1: Thank you for having me, Andy. How are you? Doing great. Yourself? I'm good, man. Uh, Tulsa was a lot of fun. Um, Doing the play-by-play with such smart guys and funny guys was really fun and got to see some great freestyle and Greco Roman wrestling, both the junior and then the senior level in Greco. So just a great weekend for me.
0: Yeah, it looked like a lot of fun down there. Fun weekend of wrestling, a lot going on. As you mentioned, junior duels, Greco trials down there, the final leg of Final X. What was the best thing? Give me two or three bullet point highlights. David from Tulsa.
1: Adam Kuhn winning. Um, Minnesota the way they beat Illinois. And I'm a numbers nerd. Ohio beating Minnesota by the exact same team score in the finals that they beat him in pool play. Like, um for people listening, you know, Eric Carrero and Hardell Moore and I were like, Yeah, I wonder how close they'll come to the same score. And as it got closer and closer. And it, you know, there were differences, like you know, maybe on Friday where you beat me and Saturday I beat you, but the differences completely counteracted each other, and it ended up being the identical team score, which is just bizarre that it came out that close. But those other two things, Adam Kuhn, I was actually like basically standing in the corner watching both of those matches, and uh, the Illinois um, Minnesota duel, but what a just insane finish and. You know, you and I were texting each other. I had to make sure we got that kid on, you know, get an interview. Just a just a sweetheart of a kid. And, you know, his reaction was really calm. It was it was, it was pretty cool just to get a chance to talk to him as well.
0: Well, let's uh, unpack those one at a time, David. Let's start with Adam Kuhn. And to me, watching the Open Finals with Adam Kuhn and Robbie Smith, I didn't think that this would be Adam Coon's year. And Robbie Smith kind of herded him around the mat out in Vegas. And if you were to ask me a week ago, you tell me that Adam Coon's making a team. uh, I thought his (laughs) odds were better in freestyle than they were in Greco. That certainly didn't bear itself out. I mean, because he, he sweeps the best of three against Robbie Smith. And then I don't know if Gwiz has, if it's just a matter of Gwiz jumping levels Uh, From a year ago or if, you know, kind of all just caught up with Adam Kuhn in the end out in Lehigh, but maybe a little bit of both. Uh, But boy, Gwiz dominated that series Saturday night. And that was uh, that was pretty eye opening. What surprised you most, him making the team or or the fact that the, the freestyle final was pretty convincing going against him?
1: I think I had the same thought. I think if, if we're honest, almost all of us thought, Hey, we almost thought to the point, at least I did maybe Coon should skip Greco and just focus on freestyle. And uh, he really took it to Robbie Coon, like, or to Robbie Smith, rather. Um, he, you know, he scored all the offensive points in both matches. Um, if you watch it from a technical standpoint, what's really interesting is when he locks his hands in that over, under, Robbie Smith does not want to be in there. And I, th- I thought that was fascinating. Cause I mean, Robbie Smith's one of our best guys in, in our country and, you know, Kuhn does a perfect job of getting his lock right underneath that floating short rib. It was one of the things we were able to have, uh, Gary may have talked about and just, I mean, it, it was just fascinating to watch him. Basically he went, from being bullied to being the bully is probably the simplest way I can say it. And I, I was shocked, you know, but after the first match, it's kind of like halfway through the first match. I'm like, he's going to win this thing. And you know, the second match, um, the referees, you know, there were some, you know, I don't know to say questionable calls, but I mean, he had to go chase those points down and he did. And I don't know if this is a one-off or this is a changing of the guard, but it's it it was it was eye-opening. I think we all have recency bias with Quiz and a lot of these guys. You know, Quiz is you know he's almost just underrated. I mean, because he lost his senior year, but he's the best guy in the world. He took third, but in the year where we, we had gold and silver medalists, I think he's just if it's possible to be an almost three-time national champ and a world medalist and be underappreciated. I think that's who Nick Gwizdowski is right now.
0: Pretty fascinating weight class. You look at 125 kilos internationally, you got the uh, two mega stars, Taha Akul three-time world and Olympic champ, Gino Petriashvili, uh, who won last year's world title and at, he won last year's U23 title and the senior title. Uh, Knocking off Okoue and and maybe the best heavyweight match. I don't think it's hyperbole to at least say that's in the conversation of the best heavyweight match of all time. Uh, so, yeah, Gwiz, uh has got to take it up another level to get to to where those guys are. I think, but uh, certainly going to be in the mix to win a a medal in Budapest. One of the other things about that too, when you, when you look at it on the whole, David, uh, I think it's it's certainly better for the United States Greco program, at least from my vantage point, that uh, Adam Kuhn now gets to focus solely on Greco-Roman over the course of the next, uh, uh, what do we got, three and a half, four months between now and uh, Budapest. So I, th- I think that's going to be really beneficial for his development in Greco. What do you think?
1: It's interesting because I asked Gary Mayab that, and we were like we were just sitting like grabbing lunch afterwards, and I said, you know, is it good that he gets more time? You know, if, if he were to lose tomorrow, I said, or if he wins tomorrow and makes both teams, does that probably draw more attention to the Greco Roman program and maybe help you guys as you build? And we weren't sure. I think from a pure wrestling standpoint, being able to focus 100% on, on a single skill set is clearly better but he did pretty good at Greco considering he was training at least part time for freestyle. Yeah. So, and you know, Greco needs publicity. Greco needs love. Greco needs, you know, storylines like, you know, real journalists like you follow. So I think the storyline might've been cooler if he was doing both. Cause Greco would be being mentioned on a much more frequent basis. So I don't know. I, I don't really know. Um, you know, I had a chance to interview Sean Bourmet and talk to him and Nick Simmons, and they're just, you know, they're really happy. And I think, you know, Sean will, will make tweaks and they'll get the right Greco guys around him and he'll be at the OTC. Um, I think it's, you know, you made this comment like a year ago or whenever it was when Helen and Snyder and JB won worlds and you're talking about just maybe the, I think the way you said it was maybe the lesson here is just to be a good person. And Adam Kuhn's another guy that fits in that, you know, great kid, um, super positive attitude and really smart academically. So I think he's an unbelievable representative for Michigan and for our country and for Greco. He's another guy that the Greco community can kind of use as a poster child. So, you know, and I'm sure Robbie Smith will come back, you know, but I I think everybody's got to be rooting for Kuhn to make the most of this opportunity for sure
0: yeah and I think uh when when you talk about Greco and the storyline there, I think that would have been a tremendous storyline a guy going for two uh you know doubling up at the world championships uh I, th- I think that would have been great, but I think you know the other thing the part of this too is United States needs to win some medals in greco roman and you know is is Adam Kuhn in a better position now uh that he can divert all of his attention to it yeah i think I think so uh did you see the clip, David? that uh, Michigan posted about Adam Kuhn. I think, uh, I think it was Tuesday that they posted it, uh, him playing tug of war with all the little kids.
1: I saw it today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I saw it today. 50 on one or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. It's, uh, it's cool. You know, like just what these guys are giving back. Like my friend, Terry Pack has Kyle Snyder up there. Legends of gold. And, showing him playing around with the kids too. I mean, there's just a lot of good people in wrestling and, and yeah, but if you're one of those, those little 50 little kids were celebrating, like they won the world championship. That was awesome.
0: <laughs> and they dominated Coon.
1: They dominated him. <laughs> to be fair, they had him by a few pounds. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. yeah
0: absolutely. absolutely.
1: But they did dominate him. It wasn't close.
0: One so, of the things is I was
1: going to be, Incredibly impressive. Kuhn
0: had won. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. One of the things that uh, you look at the Greco team now. One of the things that really stood out to me: the fact that you got ten guys on this team, only two carryovers from Paris, Ellis Coleman and Giangelo Hancock. Otherwise, it's an entirely new Greco team, and. Pretty fascinating, the makeup of it. you got Sam Hazelwinkle, 35 years old, 2012 Olympian in freestyle. He's given this a go a long time and never made the Greco team until now, and he makes it at 35. And then 60 kilos, Dalton Roberts, a guy who lost in the final seconds out in Akron to get knocked off in the the decisive third match against Randon Miranda, Uh, to make the U23 world team. He turns around a couple weeks later, three weeks later, makes the senior world team. You got Jesse Thilke coming back after being an Olympian in Rio. Uh, I mentioned Ellis Coleman, a holdover. John J. Chavez, Kamal Bay uh, dominated the junior worlds last year. He's going to get his first opportunity at the senior world championships. Jordan Spieler, Patrick Martinez, I mentioned Hancock, and then Kuhn. So, pretty interesting mix. I think when you're not having success at the highest levels, like the, like the USA Greco program is sometimes wide scale changes, wholesale changes like this are good.
1: I think so. Right. I I think you hit it on the head. Like, Hey, you know, it's the definition of insanity, same thing over and over thinking you're going to get a different result. And I, and I think, you know, we're American. We like the fact that that's not manipulated, that these new guys, earn their way on, you know, Dalton Roberts kind of did what the Vito Arujao did, you know, didn't make the under 20 team and moves up and makes the under 23 team, you know, Roberts goes from not making the under 23 to making the senior team. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of buzz there for the Greco and it was cool to be, um, I I have to give a shout out to Gary may I'm just to sit there and pick his brain for a couple hours about Greco. Um, one of the brightest minds in the sport guy I've known ever since I was a kid. Cause he actually was one of my coaches in Fargo when I was a freshman back when I was in Northern Iowa. Um, and just, just very generous with his time, you know, to me as a person in the track wrestling, but to kind of ask him about a lot of these different guys and different situations and positions and tactics. Uh, I feel like my Greco IQ went up significantly this weekend because of Gary. So that was awesome. I think
0: anybody that listen to the finals. And in, in the broadcast, the live stream of the finals learned a lot. I know I did. Switching over, I think now's a good segue for junior duels. You mentioned the Grant Parrish pin. Yeah. In the, in the duel, the Minnesota-Illinois duel. And Illinois put together one heck of a team for the junior duels. Uh, but uh, comes down to the wire. And one of the strangest conclusions to a duel meet that that I've ever seen, David. I don't know about you, but duel meet was over. Jack Jessen got his hand raised teams are going to the center and looks like the dual meets over. They go to the head table. They confer. They actually got the scoring right. I thought, and yeah. He, explain the
1: situation. So it's, there's one match to go. Illinois went in by two, I think two, maybe three points. And the Illinois kid is winning by six points in the match. I think it was eight to two Yep. and it's a four point move to make it 12 to two. And then Parrish hits basically a continuation exposure to get two of his own. And originally they just ruled it four zero. So the match is over. They confer. One of the things that people that haven't been to junior duels have to understand is there's like 20 something mats going on. So it's insanity. And they don't let you throw the brick because those things would just take forever, but the referees got together on their own and made the correct call. So instead of it being 12, two, it was 12, four. Then Jensen scores another point to make it 13 to four. And then Parrish really described it perfectly. Let, you know, that um, Jensen had an underhook and he let him dig it in. And he got to his own overhook on the other over, underhook on the other side and hit a lateral drop. And I mean, it, that place went crazy. Like, I mean, it was insane. And, you know, so the, dual flipped from, it was 32 to 30 Illinois, I think going into that match and ended up 35, 32 Minnesota. Yeah. So, you know, just great theater and, uh, the Illinois kids and the coaches very, very gracious in defeat. They took third and for most States, third would be fantastic for them. It's, uh, disappointing, if not devastating, but you know, they bounced back for third handed it to Oklahoma and, uh, yeah, Illinois continues to be the standard bearer for, for you know the age groups um, You because know, when they don't win, it's a shock, and that's when you know you're the best, when that's how people look at you.
0: Yeah, so what they win? They won half of the age division duels when you factor yeah. in, at least on the, the men's side, schoolboy duels. They swept both titles there. They won uh, Cadet Greco. They won Cadet, uh, Junior Greco as well, so they swept the, the Greco titles. And won one freestyle uh, championship as well. So they won. What's that? Four out of four out of six, I guess. So, yeah, uh, yeah, impressive yeah. showing uh, for Team Illinois, and yet uh, still feels like maybe they they left a little bit on the table. But uh, you know, we've talked in in past shows just about uh, the success that Illinois has had at every level here for uh, a decade and and beyond. Uh, really feels like Minnesota is starting to get something going, or, or that that might even be an understatement that that they've had something going <laughs> here for a long time. Uh, and you look at uh, the guys they left home: Daniel Kirkfleet, right. Gable Stevenson, Peyton Rob, Alex Lloyd. There's you know Patrick Kennedy wasn't on the team uh, as well. I mean that's a state that uh, when when you're talking about uh, you know, USA wrestling, freestyle Greco success. I think that Minnesota has to be mentioned now in, on the short list of elite States.
1: Yeah. So the elite was the word that came to mind and you took it. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, Eric Guerrero, I mentioned that. He's like, well, you know, everybody left guys behind and that's true. No state probably had all their best guys, but when you leave behind two world champions who you just, they're mortal locks to win all their matches And, you know, and then you, you know, Minnesota got beat by tech fall at both of those weight classes. That's a gigantic swing. Um, They're super impressive. And everybody in Minnesota from talking to, you know, Doug Paulson, obviously related to Brandon, but like Luke Becker, I mean, every, you know, guys aren't even officially involved with the team. They can't say enough good things about what's going on at pinnacle. And um, it's, it's a place, you know, Andy, that, we should probably make a visit to at some point and check that out and get some, you know, video and footage up there. Cause I think what they're doing is, is pretty amazing. Like you're saying, I mean, they're putting out not just good kids, not just great kids, but elite kids on a consistent basis. And, you know, and, and like you said, putting them on the top line of states when you, you look at freestyle and Greco Roman at, at the age group level.
0: Yeah. I, I got a chance to go up there last October for a, uh, I can't remember, Tuesday night or Thursday night practice. I think it's a Thursday night practice, and uh, might have been right before the U23 trials. Uh, but uh, yeah, super impressive the the uh, numbers that they have in there, and then also the the quality to go with the quantity. Uh, just top top level guys up there, and certainly what uh, you know what Jared Lawrence, Brandon Paulson, and company have going up there is something pretty special right now. You know, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, the, the finals a little bit more, though, in, in freestyle. Ohio, as you mentioned, takes out Minnesota second time around, 33-32 scores, just fantastic <laughs> dual meets and some great individual matchups within that. I think it's pretty cool, you know, when when you get to the point in these dual meets, and, and you guys were laying it out as we went along throughout the early stages of the dual meet, uh, when, when there were points that changed they seemed really monumental Uh, when when there was a shutout tech before and it it, uh, wound up being a a decision you could really feel like uh, the dual meet teetering from one side back to the other based on how those went
1: right yeah it's uh well you and you were kind enough to send me the results from the day before and then all those guys credentials so you kind of knew who was favored on paper both from a head-to-head standpoint and from a you know credential standpoint and i don't think there was any lineup changes except at heavyweight where they put in billy pierce's son the second time through but the result was the same so yeah when things swung in, like when d'amelio beat Gliva, I mean that's probably the difference in the duel if you pick one thing because it was you know that's a 3-1 one way versus 3-1 another way, so a plus-2, two, minus-2. Two. Um, but there were a lot of guys, like, you know, I got a chance to talk to Eric Burnett, and, you know, I don't know, if, I don't want to spend a lot of time, like, going through the whole dual-meet scoring system, but you, it's very important to score a point. It's very important to not get pinned, it's very important to score a point. And a lot of their guys that lost managed to score points that maybe hadn't at the time before. Clearly, every point counted, because one of the cool things about, those duels are the there's no criteria. It's whoever won the most matches. If it's tied, one team won eight matches and one team won seven. Or I guess theoretically nine and six. But you know, I and Dennis from Track Wrestling was helped keeping track of the matches. Tim and Hardell were keeping track of that for us. So yeah it was an awesome duel. If I wasn't commentating on it, it would have been an awesome duel just to have a great seat like we did. And to get to talk about it, I I hope we brought some value because it was a really cool thing and there were a lot of things in motion and hopefully we're able to kind of organize it for some of the folks that are out in their heads that were trying to you know grasp the whole situation
0: yeah you mentioned those the the match with Demilio and in gleva two big ten bound wrestlers there d'amelio is going to committed to ohio state jake gleva headed to minnesota so potentially some battles with those two for years to come here but uh you get a chance both those matches are up on track wrestling they met friday in an eighteen-fifteen match where gleva won uh some exceptional wrestling in that match uh gleva got a trap arm gut and was able to uh, come from behind early in the match to to build the lead and then make leave or make uh, d'amelio play catch up a little bit uh, the second match was fabulous as well. So uh, those are typically we come up with one match for map, match Monday, but uh, felt like the fair thing to do, the uh, best thing to do with, <laughs> with two matches that were that highly entertaining, high scoring, is put them both up. Check those out if you haven't seen them already. They're great matches. David, uh am trying to think, is there anything else that uh, we need to tie down from Tulsa?
1: Just one loose end on that. Um, you know, a lot of these coaches that coach the junior dual teams, like, you know, they're coaching guys. They don't really spend a ton of time with, you know, they're at a high school and a lot of these guys aren't at their high school. And when I was waiting to interview Eric Burnett on day one, of freestyle, he was literally spending four or five minutes talking to D'Amelio. And I look back on it and it's after he lost to Gleva. And he said, if you do this, this, and this, and this, the next time you get him, you're going to beat him. And I just, iron ironic's the wrong word right like um foreshadowing or whatever the right word is but it, it was prophetic maybe yep. that, that came around the next day and I talked to him about that off you know off camera and coach Burnett's one of the most humble you know, likable guys you'll ever meet and he kind of tried to you know pish posh it away but I really felt like you know he did a great job of coaching him in that moment when uh D'Amelio had a chance to get down on himself mentally and and Burnett kept him strong and kept him focused on just improving and it literally might have made the difference in that state winning a national title so I had an awesome job of coaching by him
0: well David let's turn the page to final X final X in the books now third leg complete after Saturday night's show at Lehigh we talked a little bit about Gwizdowski and Kuhn that was Arguably the showcase event of the night. Uh, certainly the one that kicked it off, though, was was very intriguing as well. Naishon Garrett, Joe Colon, really interesting series there. Colon takes the first one, seven five. Garrett comes back, wins the second one, and then Garrett uh, rolls in match three. What are we gonna see out of Naishon Garrett, David? I think he, he's he's such a wild card. Moving forward into Budapest because when when he's going good, the good is great. Uh, when he's kind of letting off the pedal a little bit, then boy, he seems like uh, anybody, just about anybody at the World Championships could clip him. Your thoughts on on Nishan Garrett moving forward?
1: Well, I, everything you, I I agree with what you said. I, I guess to add on to that. I think he's got, you know, a super high ceiling, but like you said, his his basement is dangerously low. He's not really dangerous on top. And it looks like his parterre defense needs help. I mean, I think I saw him put a tweet out that like, he's the JV member of the world team, which in a lot of ways might help him. Like there's no pressure, you know, like he's the guy that nobody's expecting everything from. I think in a lot of these world championship weight classes, it's draw. I mean, if he gets Rashid off right off the bat, you know, the good news is he'll probably get pulled through. The bad news is he's got to wrestle to the backside. Um, His level changes were great. And uh, I think he impressed you and me immensely in uh, Rochester. So it feels like he's on a, you know, on an upward swing. And, And I will say this, if I had to have one guy in the world, putting together a freestyle game plan for me, Zeke Jones would have to be on that short list of guys I would want. Um, I mean, there's some other guys that come to mind, but he's on that list. So, you know, and and it benefits Arizona state to, to have a great, you know, for for them to do really well at this thing. So I I think, you know, they'll have Nashon ready. Um, You know, it'd be interesting to see how he deals with the pressure and ultimately I think a lot of it has to do with draw. Yeah, I think America got some good draws last year. You know, we might not want to say that, but I think they did. You you know, Russell whoever they put in front of you, you good bad or ugly. Um he's a guy if he can get a reasonable draw, maybe get a match or two to kind of get his feet under him, you know, I think it'd be super dangerous.
0: Yeah, I think you you touched on it a little bit. Wide variance there where super high ceiling, uh but uh also He's gonna have to he's gonna have to lock some things down, in order to achieve that high level success that he's capable of in Budapest. Let's tie all the the women's matches together here in, in uh, one section. Uh, Whitney Condor, three match winner over Victoria Anthony. Uh, Condor takes the first one. Anthony comes back, wins the second one. Condor uh, wins the decisive third bout. Uh, Sarah Hildebrandt, dominant. Six oh, eight oh winner over Haley Augello. And then Forrest Molinari coming back and uh, winning in two straight over Julia Salada. I think uh, one of the things when you look at the women's team as a whole, David, we saw this in Lincoln, Jacara Winchester takes out Becca Leathers, uh returning world bronze medalist. Uh Victoria Anthony, who wrestled in a bronze medal match last year in Paris. Uh she doesn't make the team. Um there's some, you know, Haley Algello, Olympian in 2016, world team member in 2017. She's won matches at the highest level uh, the last couple of years. She doesn't make the team. I think this is like like the United States women's program seems to be developing a little bit of depth
1: right now. Agreed. And obviously that's great for the sport. And it's, you know, I'm sure we'll take another show and talk about our thoughts about Final X. But I think one of the good things about Final X is that the women, the women's matches, the women's weight classes were showcased on an equal footing as the men's. And I think some new stars were born. You know, you figure all the weights were wrestled except the one with Helen. You know, and so she's the biggest star on that side of the equation. So it gave some other people a chance to shine, which is is good for the future of that of the sport on the women's side for sure.
0: Yeah. Yep. Sarah Hildebrandt, I think, uh, boy, when you look at at the way that she performed and how dominant she was out in Vegas, uh, then uh, certainly at Final X, you you look at at her road last year, uh, getting injured out in Vegas in the World Team Trials Final Series, uh, first match against Becca Leathers. Leathers goes on, wins bronze in Paris. Hildebrandt. You know, in talking to Terry Steiner, I had a chance to uh, talk to him after Final X was complete, uh, phone interview, and we talked about uh, uh, Sarah Hildebrand and what's transpired. He, he said, you know, if you look back, maybe the best thing for her was getting injured and having that time to reflect upon her career. And he talked about, uh, you know, Monday out in Colorado Springs, they're having a cadet and junior camp going on right now and and sarah got a chance to speak to the girls at that and said that uh sometimes you can feel like you're doing all the right things uh and you can be you can be training hard in the room and doing all the right things in the room uh but but are you doing all the right things all the time in terms of lifestyle and and she you know in in terry's words probably felt like uh you know, maybe the window's closing here. The window of opportunity is closing for her, and wanting to capitalize on that. And and uh, uh, she's had such a tremendous year to this point. And I think she's, I think she's going to be in the mix to metal in Budapest, looking uh, wrestling the way that she did uh, in Final X. Uh, you
1: know, I've had a chance to coach a lot of kids, especially in junior college, where that last part of it is what you said is trying to convince these guys to live the lifestyle for the champion lifestyle. And some kids are just so talented that they can get away with it for a long time. Usually hard work eventually catches up to talent at the lower levels. I don't think it does. And I think that's a sad thing that, you know, there's all these t-shirts about how work beats talent beats talent. Well, not necessarily. I mean, they're not early but when you, I, that's why I think Jordan Burroughs is the best in the world is he's an extremely talented guy that works like he's not. And I think that's when you find something special. Um, yeah. And I, 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 I read the same, you know, or heard about the same information about Sarah you did. And I think that's cool that she's made a commitment to it because now she's either going to succeed at a level she never did before or she'll fail and feel absolutely okay with the results. Cause she, committed herself 100% to the process and either way she'll have peace, which ultimately that's what a lot of this comes down to is, can you live with the results or do you have to live with regrets because you didn't do everything you could do?
0: Any other takeaways on the three women's matches at Lehigh?
1: I feel like Forrest Molinari has got a chance to become a star. And just, she just feels like she has star power and, you know, um, I just I, that's great. The more people like that that can carry the flag for wrestling and especially women's wrestling as that continues to grow, the better.
0: Well, then the other match that we skipped over: men's freestyle, ninety-two kilos. Jaden Cox sweeps Hayden Zilmer five-two-ten-zero. Uh, Jaden scoring more points.
1: Than, <laughs> you
0: know, I thought that those had an opportunity to be matches. You know, we, we even talked about it here that it felt like uh, maybe. Uh, Jaden felt like a heavy, heavy favorite, but the scoreboard might not bear that out. Uh, he put points on the board.
1: Well, the second match, obviously he got a lace, but you know, he actually went for a lace and, you know, kind of forced it. Like it wasn't like Zilmer made a mistake or something. And you can tell he's been working on that at the OTC a lot. If you get, if you had a top game to him, that's scary if you add and I, I don't know if it was confidence but i'm going to say that where he has more confidence in his attacks and will get more shots off if you take a high pace Jaden cox he's scary whether he's at 92 and then eventually whether he goes to 97 or 86 he's a scary scary dude uh and and the america you know needs him like you know to to place for them to have a chance to win the world championship because yeah, I talked to some guys that are in the know this weekend and they're talking about some of these countries and the teams are going to put together. And I think people just feel like, oh, America's going to repeat, you know, we as a country have the best team. We as a country won the world cup, you know, they America won by one point, And that was, and Russia didn't win a gold medal at the Worlds. And, you know, if I was going to put five bucks on whether or not they're going going to win a gold medal, I would think that they would. And they've changed the team point scoring system, which I know we can get into later, but it's kind of it's they're gonna need everybody. They're gonna need everybody they can to score as many points as possible. So Jaden being on offense and not trying to win two to one, three to one is very, very encouraging for not only Jaden, but for the United States.
0: Yeah, I agree. And you know, one thing that gets over overlooked a little bit though. Russia got a gift at eighty six kilos last year. You remember that? That match, yeah, that, uh, yeah, the political match, yeah, that uh, would have knocked them out of medal contention. There ended the tournament early for for uh, Russia at eighty six kilos. Uh, so yeah, the United States won by one, but uh, man, it took it took a gift for Russia to be within a point. Um,
1: well, you can argue a couple of America's draws were borderline yeah. gifts too. So <laughs> you know. It it evens out. I'm just saying they're pretty even, you know, and Azerbaijan's going to have a good team. Um, you know, Iran's going to have some hammers. I I don't know that America's the favorite. I know that, you know, they're in the mix to win it. It's just, it's, any winning anything is hard and repeating is harder a lot of times because now you get everybody's best shot. And yeah. I think what we have as a country is a little bit of, of, myopia where we're like oh well these weight classes opened up and this is where we have guys that are hammers well maybe some other countries do too yeah you know and so i mean especially the russian that wrestled dake i mean he, he he wrestled dake really well like dake's going to have to make adjustments to win that that guy didn't you know luck into that win so you know and you go up and down the cuban gave taylor a really good match and they just a bunch of, it's the world. It's the best of the best. It's not supposed to be easy, and I don't think it's going
0: to be easy. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. It's going to be a great tournament over in Budapest. Getting the world championships, David. Kicking those off Monday morning.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. it's here at Cadet, Cadet right?
0: Worlds. Yep. we got a long, long wait until October for the senior level world championships uh, and then u23s in november we got juniors in september but the cadets they were on the first week of september last year in athens gonna be over fourth of july week this coming week over in croatia a team that uh pretty impressive squad david when you're Loading it up with Daniel Kirkvliet, returning cadet world champion, 110 kilos. Looking at some of the hammers on this list Robert Howard, returning world team member, a guy that you've worked with, Josh Saunders, making the team at 60 kilos, having some high level success against older wrestlers. I think uh, he has a bright future both in the short term at the Cadet World Championships and well, well beyond that. Uh, Carson Manville, uh, boy, he's been dominant the last couple of years in his age group stuff. Uh, Alex Facundo, Abe Assad, AJ Ferrari, then looking at some of uh, the little guys, Chance Lamer, Richie Figueroa, Matt Ramos uh, out of Illinois. So looking forward to seeing what uh, the men's freestyle program can produce Uh been a lot of high-level success at the world championships from the cadet group in the last several years i expect more of the same
1: yeah i got a chance to speak to josh this weekend you know we, we keep in touch pretty regularly and he's enjoying camp and enjoying making some new friends there and getting ready for this shot and you know he said the team's really focused they're having a good time but you know they're focused and they're ready to do this so you know i those guys are kids and we, you know, maybe we put too much pressure on them, but it's an awesome opportunity for him. That, that's what I told him, you know, that tomorrow isn't promised to you and to make be the absolute best of, of this opportunity. And I'm going to get a chance to see a bunch of the other sort of maybe the, the one B hammers. Cause next week um, I get to be one of the coaches at the 2024 Olympic training center camp. And and I've, I've seen a list of some of the guys that are going to be up there. It's going to be awfully impressive. So, you know, the future's bright and it's cool because, you know, I'll be in Colorado Springs when uh, those are on. So we're going to wake up and make sure we watch Josh and those other guys hopefully, you know, bring home a lot of medals for sure.
0: And some other interesting storylines going into the Cadet World Championships. Emily Shilson returning World Silver Medalist. Uh, Championship match came to a really quick premature end for her last year in Athens, but uh, she's back Expect her to do some damage over in Croatia. And then on the uh, Greco squad, uh, interesting makeup of the team. Lots of uh, guys from Illinois, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Washington. Those are the four states uh, that uh, took all of the cadet world team spots in Akron. Uh, The Burks brothers, Jacason and James... At 51 kilos and 71 kilos out of Nebraska, Philip Moomie from Nebraska, uh, Abe Assad won the spot, won both styles. He's only going to wrestle freestyle over in Croatia, but uh, Illinois still will have Jacob Kaminsky at 92 kilos and Luke Luffman, who's headed to Illinois, 110 kilos. Uh, so interested to see what. Uh, uh what the burks brothers do and and certainly uh pretty interesting to see how how certain pockets of the country are having greco success like this at the age group level gary may have
1: said there are certain certain parts of the country where people are really concentrating on it and you know you're seeing the results and uh yeah it's it's good it's that you know Greco's a chance if you want, you know, the very best guy to, to make a world team and, and see the world and represent your country and do all these kind of things. And it also presents a ton of skills that are easily translatable to, uh, to folk style and even, you know, a lot to freestyle. So that was one of the takeaways I got from just, you know, meeting with Coach Mayab this weekend and, you know, got a chance to prep with him on it. And he's obviously trying to grow Greco. And he just talked about how all these different skill sets, you know, that we need to stop looking at them as mutually exclusive, that there's, you know, that one can help the other one. And that's the way to look at it. So, uh, you know, I, I watching these guys, the other thing I, I was struck me sitting working the duels this weekend is how many of these guys will we be watching, you know, in the NCAA finals and beyond. And, you know, we can say, Hey, I got a chance to call that guy's match way back when. So that's a pretty cool part too, you know, so, um, yeah, it was it kind of those kind of weekends for me, kind of give me perspective on, on some cool things. And it's, uh, you know, hope, hopefully, you know, lets me look at the sport in a, in a little bit more intelligent way, for sure.
0: Anything else for this week, David?
1: <sighs> no, uh, just, uh, you know, it's total personal bias, but I want to wish Josh and all those guys the best of luck. And, uh, you know, safe travels and everything else. I hope they, I hope they do their best and and um, they get kept safe and, and they're just able to perform to the best of their abilities.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be a great experience for those guys and young young ladies on the team, too. And talking to James Burks, he was saying he's never even flown before. He said the furthest <laughs> he'd been right. away from home in a car was Akron when he went out there and won his spot on the team. So the Burks brothers are going to get a fly. They're going to get their first taste of international travel as well i think there's probably a lot of uh guys and and young ladies that are going to be experiencing that uh for the first time so uh, as you mentioned wish them all safe travel and uh good luck over in croatia at the cadet world championships well david i don't have anything else do you
1: no sir i'm gonna be on the road again so uh I always like circling back with you and um, getting your perspective on this stuff. And I appreciate um, Track Wrestling letting me go out and doing those events this, this past weekend. It was, it was an awesome experience. Got to catch up with a lot of people. And um, I do need to give a shout out to, to Dennis Lee Meyer from Track who did a great job and to uh, uh, Matt Stevens who ran the event and just did an unbelievable job um, keeping everything moving. So uh, shout out to those guys. And uh, they, they really helped uh, Eric and Hardell and Coach Mayab and myself, you know, try to do the best job we could. So I, I really appreciate those guys making us look as good as possible. It's greatly appreciated. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, thank, you know, we got the opportunity here. Thank you and Eric Guerrero, Gary Mayab, Hardell Moore for your work on the mic. You guys definitely added a lot to the championship duels on the stream and tremendous technical insight. So we certainly appreciate that. So, well, David, thank you once again for your time and your insight and thank each and every one of you for giving us the time.